what are those three unique things about you? What are the things that set you apart? These strategies will work for anyone who is an aspiring leader or a practicing leader. What you've just said, KG, highlights for me that it takes a village to raise a leader. Trademark, trademark. Trademark, trademark. Welcome to Leadership Decanted, where we engage with the latest thinking on all things leadership, and we keep the conversation going over a nice bottle of wine. Hey, Paul. Hello, It's good to see you again, always. And and again, we're back in person, which is, uh, you know, it's it's becoming normal now, but still, I I like it, you know. So we can reach out and touch you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's a nice shirt, too, Thank you. And the same with you. I was going to say, you dressed up today. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. Very special, very special. It's going to be a great... A great podcast today. Yes, AG. I was going to say that great special uh, shirt is because we have a special guest. But do. as usual, I'll let you introduce that a little bit later. Okay. Because first, I know what you're going to do because you're holding it in your hand. You're going to give I us am. the wine. So break it out. I recently purchased this wine Ooh. out of curiosity. So uh, not, it, not part of your stash this time. Not part of my stash. I'm running out. <laughs> Maybe we should slow down. Bad. We should slow down our uh, our recording because we're drinking too much of it. I'm, I'm a big Margaret River fan. Yeah, yeah. Now, for those who aren't familiar with the Australian geography, Margaret River is a region in Western Australia, extreme west, and it makes some great wines. Well, I've never been there, but now you're going to make Just me have to do it. Yeah. So let's see what the wine is all about. Well, well, this is a 2019 Pedestal Margaret River Cabernet Sauvignon. Okay. Made by Larry Cherubino. Mm-hmm, LarryCherubino.com. Mm-hmm. Pedestal? Is that what I just said? Pedestal. Heard? That's okay. right. Pedestal. Okay. And I don't know what to expect, except to say that mostly... Cabernet Sauvignons from the West have kind of a really structured and tight, not so fruit-driven, okay. as we might be used to from South Australia, but oh, let's, we'll, let's check it out. Yeah, we'll be the judge of that. All let's right. Let's see. Here you go. Oh, nice. Okay. Okay. That was actually a pretty good job. Yeah, thanks, yeah, man. We'll yeah. see how that translates to yeah. the microphone. Oh, it's a lovely red colour. I wish our guest could join us. Yes. But our guest is virtual. Technology doesn't yet exist. Yes, one day we'll get the. I was going to say smell a vision, but that's not right either. So, no, that isn't that is right. <laughs> so, all well, right. Let's say that one day it'll happen. Slanger. Slanger. To you and our guest. Yes, I cannot wait. Verdict, verdict. I like it. That whole fruity thing going on is very nice. Mmm. I know you're going to describe it a lot more complex than very oh. nice and fruity. So what do you think? I'll describe it as delicious. Okay. To begin with, it is not as fruit driven. As they say, very well structured. Structured. Is that too, is that too much? No, structure is okay. I like structure. I can, you know that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I can taste like berries. Okay. A bit of plum. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Those are fruits, by the way. Yes, thank you. Oh, yep. okay. Just that's right. But, but, they're, not, <laughs> but, that's but not. they're not overly ripe. Okay, it's not you know, driven. Which, which is what, I, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Getting you. The, getting I'm the, getting yeah, it now. Right. Yeah, this is going to be good. Yeah, it's very uh, nice. Very nice. <laughs> All right, shall we introduce our lovely guest? We shall. And yeah, this, this is an exciting day. So tell us who we have or tell the audience who we have. Okay, well, we are graced today by the presence of 
Renee Mathis. Hey, Renee. Welcome, Renee. Hello, and whoa, am I sort of feeling a little left out? Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. It, it is really, yes. it's really delicious. I can see this. This is going to get really, really, really good yes. by the time we finish our conversation. Actually, now most of the audience wouldn't know this, but Renee can actually see us on yes, Zoom, that's and right. that's uh, that's <laughs> it's torture. It's not it's, nice. Yes, it's it is right. just not it's nice. No but we'll, we'll keep the drinks below. So, right. You know. So let me let me give our listeners some context. Renee is an executive, a senior executive coach and a founding director of Executive Central. Executive Central runs many programs around leadership, executive wow. coaching as well, but leadership, particularly for women, also that have Indigenous programs and so forth that aim to increase the capability of our leaders. Wow. Very cool. Now, organisations entrust her with their talent basically, to build that capability. And they, especially when it comes to creating a pipeline of women leaders. Renee doesn't just coach or develop female leaders, but that's what we want to talk about today. We want to talk about the state of women in leadership okay, and how that is growing and developing, particularly in the work that Renee does. Wow, that's a good topic, and it's so. I was going to say topical, but that sounds like two topics. This in is a, row, a topical topic. <laughs> yes, a topical topic. You're on, and, and you're on I'm, brand. I'm looking forward to uh, Renee just understanding what you do, how you you know how you got here, and just tell us about yourself. Yeah, that'd be great to start there. Thank you. And wow, this is going to be so exciting having a chance to chat about probably what's one of my favourite subjects, which is helping to unleash and develop the talent in organisations with their females and to really help build that pipeline across public and private sector. But a little bit about me is that I'm hugely passionate about women and helping women embrace their unique capabilities and their strengths and really assisting them and drawing on the tools and resources that any leader needs from time to time. And I get to do that through six-month programs where we run workshops and we run one-on-one coaching. So it's a space that I love to be in. I've just been there a long time and enjoy it immensely. Thank you. And look, KG, I can attest to Renee's passion. I've seen her up close. Oh, like not just on Zoom. Not just on Zoom. Oozing passion. Gotcha. Highly, highly knowledgeable and really passionate for the people that she coaches and develops. So thanks again, Renee. Really, this is going to be fun. But I do want to set the context, if you like, for everybody who's listening around the current state of women in leadership in Australia in particular. Yes, and, and you'll be impressed, audience, because there's some research that Paul has done. There is some research. Like. I've done some real research. I've but done, I love the research part of this, Paul. Yes. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Now, there is actually quite a lot of research, and I've had American numbers and I've had Australian numbers, and there's a lot of data out there. Yeah. But I've distilled it to this, this much, and this is mostly from the Workplace Gender Equity Agency. Okay. And they are Australian or They American? are Australian okay. and they're providing me with some Australian numbers here yeah. around the ASX 300. Wow. Okay. That's going to be good. Let's, it is. let's so check the, it out. The numbers I have are from an ASX 300 perspective, in 2021, in 2020 and 2021 survey that they held, 19.4% of CEOs are women. Okay. 194 Now, may not seem like much, but that's up 
from a 17.3%, say, in 2014. Okay. So it's moving in the direction. Now, as you move down that pyramid, the numbers get a little bit higher and the difference between today and eight years ago is also kind of much, much greater. Okay. For example, the key management personnel, 34.5% are women, and that might include heads of business and so forth, up from, say, the 26% in 2014. Okay. So again, again, the, the numbers are moving in the right, right direction. That's right. And other executives, 34.1% are women, 27% uh, were women eight years ago. Okay. So what I want to highlight here is, sure, we might see that, those numbers and say, look, it's pretty poor or we have a long way to go. But what I really want to concentrate on and focus on is the fact that it is moving in the right direction. Yeah. Now, we can leave it for another conversation to discuss whether it's moving fast enough, uh-huh. yeah, but okay. that's not what we're doing today. Okay. What I really want to get into is Renee is part of this enabling movement. Her work and the work that she does with women leaders is moving the needle. Yeah. Yeah, and it's clearly working, right? So yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. So, so I will really want to just spend today in a more, much more positive mood, getting a sense of how Renee works. You know how you work, Renee. What you're noticing, and what are some of the strategies that you use uh, with women leaders that you feel are are going to unlock the unique capabilities that they might present. So, can we start by asking from a a leadership development perspective, what do you find continues to excite you and maybe even surprise you mm. when you when you do this work? Yeah, I mean, and look, those stats are fantastic in so many ways because, I mean, the percentage of women holding leadership positions in government, education and business is growing steadily. Yeah. And in the past couple of decades, this is what we're seeing. So we're we're going up, which is fantastic, and that growing steadily is really the, the focus that everyone wants. But still, it's lagging far behind the percentage of such roles held by men. And what we have to recognise is that many women are still facing a difficult time of climbing to reach that leadership status in their companies. Um, Some are struggling to overcome the preconceptions of colleagues and staff. And they're also trying to prove themselves through perfection often. So that's kind of what we're seeing a lot of. But I'm really thrilled today that we're going to focus on on strategies and on the positive side because I really believe that women are wanting that to be the the language now, far less around the challenges and the difficulties because we know so much of that and there's been so much work done but women must embrace their unique capabilities and their strengths they have to draw on their tools and resources that any leader needs from time to time and today you know I'd love to just talk about the strategies that I see women using to break the the barrier to to be promoted to be really confident when they're going for that next role or confident in the role that they have. And these strategies could also be for for men, but, you know, some are a little different in the way that we would approach it. 
So for me, one of the biggest strategies that I recommend is that you ha- the women must start to build and continue to build on their strengths. By the time people come even to work in some of the programs and the coaching that we do, they've been using their strengths for so long and they've been using those strengths to get to where they are. But I, I see far too often that women really want to continue to focus on their weaknesses and their challenges. And for me, we, we still have to focus on that, but I'd much rather focus on on their strengths and amplify and yes. speak up and focus on what they do through their strengths. That's cool. Are you able to give the listeners a little bit of a strengths 101? What are strengths in your work? How do you work with them? And also, how do we find what they are? How do we find out what they are? Yeah, well, I've been really fortunate to be really focused on the Gallup strengths mm, work. Right. And I've been a huge fan of Marcus Buckingham and Jim Collins for decades now. And they've spent their whole whole kind of time looking at what makes leaders successful. And what that data is telling us is that most leaders, when they talk through their success or they reflect back on their success, they recognise that they've been coming from a strength base. They've worked right. out what they were good at. Um, you know, Bill Gates started programming at 11 and just kept going. Gallup created a wonderful way of finding out your top strengths. And they believe there are 34 strengths that came out of the data and the, the, the work that they did. And people can go online, they can buy their code and take about 40 minutes to answer a series of questions. They're actually really telling their own strength story and up will pop their top five or their top 34, depending on which code they purchase. And I really believe that we should only really focus on our five because there's such a, a lot of work to really understand those five. The majority of those five will have been with you for a long time and really just to kind of excel those strengths so that you're using them every day. Yeah. Love that. So you're making sure that they mostly look to the things that they do well and just accentuate those, right? Is that kind of the the general direction you you try to take them? I certainly believe that we still have to recognize the and I'd like to use the word growth opportunities because yeah. as in organizations in, in in any role that you have, there would always be growth and potential to do um, something differently. And it's it's actually understanding what they are and then knowing, well, which of the strengths are going to help to really help you advance and to develop those growth opportunities. Mm-hmm. I don't really like the, the word challenges and weaknesses. I just prefer to use the word growth opportunities. And men and women have growth opportunities and tap into your strengths, build on your strengths and pace yourself around those strengths to break through any great uh, growth opportunities you have. If we're assuming that you have a cohort of women in your leadership program Mm -hmm. and you want to start helping them focus on their strengths and building on that, how do you use that concept? How do you use that framework specifically as a strategy for them to start building on that? One of the things that we want to do is once once women have done their Gallup strength surveys, actually have some conversation, get them to recognise how they got those top five strengths, the value they add, the impact they have, and where they work to be really effective and how they bring those strengths to the table. And then usually what happens when we start any program, we start working with these fabulous women is we have career conversations yeah. and we want to know 
what their aspirations are, what their dreams are, their wishes, where they want to be in the next 12 to five years. And many people want to want to be just amazing in the role that they have and others want to keep building and climb into that next role and the next role and the next role. Yeah. And once we understand that, we will always be focusing back on the strengths to help them. And that's where the strategies that all the coaches use is to bring through the strategies around how do they embrace their natural leadership talents? How do they build on those strengths? I mean, one of the biggest tips that we talk about for women is building their board of directors. building a support team around them. And that is something that we we do see very differently. I think men are terrific at building a, a support network of people around them, but I think women tend to need a little bit more encouragement. Um, if you're listening to this podcast and you've got a mentor or a sponsor, fabulous, because that's what you yes. need. You okay. need to have mentors and sponsors. You need to work out what are your growth opportunities. If you're not great at networking, find someone who is and who's going to help you. If a coach is available, take the opportunity to engage a coach, but really build your board of directors. Um, Harvard call it uh, build your mastermind group. Yeah, right. Um, but, you know, find a sponsor who will advocate on your behalf for stretch projects and visibility. Find a mentor who invests time and energy into guiding you and who you can learn from. All of this will help in your career growth and journey. One of my big tips is that one. And so do you find it any different from those who are, I would call, in the lower levels of their leadership journey, their beginning, or... Is there a difference between those who are just starting out and those who are closer to, you know, kind of that executive level? And Mm -hmm. how would you how do you approach them differently when it comes to these strengths? Depending on age and stage in your career, depending on the support you've already had will depend on where you're going to go. And, you know, we, there is just amazing talent, female talent out in the marketplace. And I think it's really easy to underestimate how these fantastic young people are are such great talent. Mm. If they're talent and if they're really career motivated and they will themselves look for mentors and coaches, they will reach out and look at potential, start paying more attention to the opportunities that are on offer for them. And then I believe as as you grow and develop and become more senior in your in your career, you you inevitably will have tapped into your own peer network and your own networks and your own support team. And that's what I, I find that the majority of, of senior women that I work with have an amazing team around yeah. them that have helped them to get where they are and have really supported them. And they then support others which I'm just so proud of, at the, you know, that there is so much cascading down the learnings and support now. Wasn't that way, I don't think, 20 years ago, but I, I believe you know, there's that beautiful Madeleine Albright quote, there's a place in hell for any woman who doesn't support women. Wow. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's scary. A little direct, I like it. So you're, what you're suggesting here is that what is happening around you as you see this work is there are self-nurturing ecosystems that are being created where as people begin to blossom, 
they nurture those below them or beside them, and that yeah. helps to grow the, yeah. the the leadership numbers. Yeah, definitely. And um, seek out that support. Mm. Don't you know? Don't be afraid of that spotlight. Put yourself out there. Put yourself in that spotlight. Ask for support. You know, ask others to help you really gain where the growth opportunities that you want. Starting with building a board of directors. Yeah, I, I love that phrase. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, it's a great phrase. It, it sounds easy, but is it going to take a little bit of work or how does someone begin to get a sense of what they need or the type of mentor they need or the type of board of directors? How many is enough? Do they all play a similar role or are we really targeting specific capabilities in those people to help someone like yeah. me, for example? I think it's important that people recognise the difference between mentor, sponsor and coach Ooh, as that's well. A good one. I mean, I always simplify it by saying a mentor is the wise one. A mentor is someone that will invest time to guide and that you learn from that mentor. A sponsor is really someone, and the mentor can be in the organisation or external, and I strongly believe that if you seek out your mentor, you are more successful with that mentor than if you're just allocated one. Oh, yes, yes. Like in a corporate setting, someone saying here, you know, get mentored by this person, good luck. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't work. I think if you actually (laughs) take the time to work out who's the right mentor, a sponsor is really usually an internal person and that's someone who's going to advocate for you. And I love the Carla Harris quote, which is what are they saying about you when you're not in the room? And really if your sponsors are talking about you then in the way that you want them and you should be managing that as well, your sponsor is going to really help get you stretch projects, get you visibility. And then the third thing is a coach and the coach is someone who will support and challenge your skill set and your development and also your talents. So I think if you kind of look at those three things to start with and then you sit back with those three and say, okay, what else do I need? I remember when I first started I was not great at networking and I got someone who absolutely nailed me three or four times a year, she sat me down and pushed me and challenged me to do more. And I love that quote by Eleanor Roosevelt that do one thing a day that scares you. And I certainly believe that in my my networking uh, development, I was doing lots of days. Really? What scared you particularly about networking that you had to overcome? I I suppose I just didn't understand it. I didn't understand that it was part of your career. I mean, one must seriously consider that you have to build it before you need it. You have to have a strategic networking plan. You must focus on how that's going to, to play out for the year. You spend trying to, you know, the first 20 years of your career networking, then you spend the next 20 years of your career sharing your networks with others. Wow. And so it's, it's quite a, a nice evolving pattern that happens and it's a huge thing for me making sure that everyone that we work with networks and has a strategic networking plan is future-proofing themselves building their network before they need it because you actually don't know when you're going to need it yeah yeah future-proofing 
That's an interesting concept given that, say, two and a half years ago, a future was in front of us that no one would have predicted. Yeah. Mm. Yes. How would you advise people, particularly the women in, in your programs, to actually future-proof or how can they future-proof a network? Yeah, it's a great question. So first of all, realise that you're good enough. Yeah. You know, uh, so yes. really understand that you're good enough and you can do whatever and you've got these great awesome strengths. So get yourself into that right mindset. Yes. Stop looking for affirmation and really just know that you are doing well and that you're doing the best you can. And then I believe that we should have a strong network, um, which is a real future-proof place. A lot of us don't focus on brand, brand presence and status. So that would be my, you know, one of my key tips. So tell me more. What do you consider brand? How do you describe that to people that you're working with? Well, I always ask them, what are they saying about you when you're not in the room? Mm. What are the three unique things about you? Um, What are the three words? I mean, start with the words. A lot of times I see women put down words such as good worker, hard worker, reliable. Yes, that's that's all good, but I'd much rather see curious, courageous, strategic, forward thinking, approachable, a different word, but then also understanding what are those three unique things about you? What are the things that set you apart and how is your sponsor and your coach and your mentor and all the people that are helping you and your manager are very clear about those three, those three things that set you apart. Okay. I like that. Once you've really identified, say, the three words, now, of course, we're assuming that there are probably many more descriptive words that mm-hmm. that would describe someone's leadership mm-hmm. but or someone's brand. But if I'm landing on three words, how do I then ensure that they continue to be true about me? Yeah, I think that's a really good question, Paul. I mean, it, you've got to be authentic. That's right. kind of the first yes. thing. Be authentic and show up being authentic. Mm. But I also feel that you can manage those words and I actually actually would like to see a lot more than three but the way that I describe it is high status and low status how do you want to be seen in the room you know when you're going into a high impact where you're leading the meeting you you you've got a lot more at stake you've got um, kind of more senior people in that room what are the words that you want to have in that room um, at that time you know it could be strategic approachable it could be curious it could be visionary, entrepreneurial, you've got to work out what those words are. And then in the lowest status, it's much more, you know, it could be consultative and approachable and and listening and nurturing. It depends on what you're doing there. But understanding when you're in the room in high status and Mm. understanding what are the words that associate with you when you are low status. And you will see in any meeting, men and women will move into high and low status in a positive way. I'm talking in the positive here. And you've got to really understand what your words are. Wow. So you have to understand the context to know exactly mm. where you should be positioning yourself. Yeah, it sounds very yeah. dynamic. Yeah. It sounds very dynamic. Yeah, absolutely. And it sounds like also requires a lot of self-awareness and very deliberate choices as well. Mm. Yeah. I'm, I'm assuming... You don't move between these by accident. Or if you did, you're not going to be guaranteed where you're going to land. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah, I call it the power of, of your own status and, and brand. And, I mean, I'm not a fan of 
you know, you have to have more executive presence because I think that's just too big and too too difficult at times. I believe that we have control of our own power and status and brand and we can control that. If you want to be developing your strategic thinking and systems knowledge and be seen as a strategic thinker, mm-hmm. then start being more strategic and start thinking and understanding that that's important and what does that look like. Excuse the phrase, but is there a fake it till you make it component there or oh. are we assuming? Yeah. Are we Ouch. assuming? Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I would rather say fake it till you become it. Oh, oh, I like that. Go. Okay. So you're oh. on the right path. Okay. 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 Yeah. I was, I was just asking. <laughs> There's a wonderful TED talk, a woman called Amy Cuddy who right. – um, coined the face, fake it till you become it. I'm a huge TED Talk and YouTube quoter and, you know, my two, that there's a couple that I would recommend if mm. you like to hear them, I can Yeah, go for yeah, it. Please tell do. Us, we'll, we'll put the links on, on the show notes. So, yes, please do. Carla Harris, The Power of Presentation is just, it is the most popular talk that, we find women enjoy on any of the work we do. Brene Brown, just absolutely brilliant in shame and vulnerability and her TED Talks are fantastic. And then Amy Cuddy is right up there. I also really think Simon Sinek is another one that we should always be thinking about. What's the why? Yeah. Why are we doing this? Why are we advancing? Why are we taking on that challenge? Why am I investing in a support person? Understand the why and it makes it so much easier. Renee, I've got an interesting question for you. I don't know if it's controversial or I don't know if it's good, but my question is, in this board of directors for one of the people who you work with, is it equally balanced between men and women? Should they be seeking more women than men? Or is there such a thing as a right or wrong? I don't think you need to say this is gender driven. You've just got to find the right support team. Same as for any role, right person, right role, right support person. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Non-gender. Some of the strategies that you're highlighting Renee, and some of the work that you're doing suggests to me that whilst we started the conversation talking about women in leadership and gave those numbers out, really what you're suggesting here is beyond gender. These strategies will work for anyone who is an aspiring leader or a practicing leader, I'm assuming. Absolutely. You know, if I was coaching a senior executive, I'd be talking about their own networks, their own brand their own support team, their career aspirations, what's next, where are they going? And I would ask that question to both men and women Mm. as a coach. You've heard those little truisms where they say, for example, when people are looking for a new job, if a man looks at a job and they're they have 10% of, of the qualifications, of the qualifications or whatever. Yeah, go yeah. for it. Yeah. If a woman sees the job and they've only 90% of the qualifications, <laughs> they won't. Yeah. Now, that's a trivial truism, but I wonder whether you notice that type of hesitation when you talk to women leaders in your programs and, and what other sort of strategies you would suggest for them in those cases or that type of scenario? Yeah, it's, it's a great statistic that, I mean, I think, 
you can't actually firmly say women, men, you know, will go when they're 10% ready yeah. and women will go when they're 70%, but because each person's different, yeah, but yes. we certainly see that women want to tick a lot more boxes before they will go for that opportunity. Right. And the way I describe it is if you're in the driver's seat of your career, you have spent time managing all the things that you need so that you're ready for that opportunity. And when I talk to women about being in the driver's seat, many of them aren't even in the car. They're in another (laughs) car wanting to get rid of that car and get into a different one. Some are in the boot trying to push through the back seat. Let me out. Some are in the passenger seat and can't get across to the driver's seat and some are in the driver's seat being tossed out from time to time. But if you are in the driver's seat of your career and you've spent some time focusing on things like networks and brand and perception and, and your support team, and your strengths, you will find it easier to put your hand up for that opportunity. My big tip is get in the driver's seat, be in complete control, hold on to that steering wheel as tight as you can and fill that car with as many people that are going to support you in a really positive way and just move forward. You will find you're going to go down some different roads. You might stop from time to time. But just stay in that driver's seat. And whenever you feel you're not, get just just take a moment, take a breath, and work out what you need to do to get back in there. Wow. Yeah, it's powerful. Really, we could good. really labour that metaphor. There's lots of places you could be <laughs> no. uh, except for the, the driver's tire, seat. The, no. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's too far. Well, I also talk about, because I'm a massive ocean swimmer, and I also talk about what lane are you in oh, right? Yeah. and what lane do you want to hop into Right. and then how do we get you out of the pool into the ocean Mm. that's a big one so i like that (laughs) it's a great metaphor because the ocean has no boundaries so to speak except for the shoreline and that yeah yeah the driver's seat there's there's boundaries somewhere yeah exactly okay (laughs) fantastic some of us stay too long in that one lane (laughs) yeah you're all wrinkly and you're not getting anywhere no it's a mess too comfortable (laughs) it's like "Mm, you gotta move you gotta move (laughs) but it does sound to me like what you're also tapping into is if you're going to be in control of your car if you're going to stay in control of your car there needs to be a point at which you take a step in that direction. There's a certain, I don't know, it's boldness or courage that you really have to somehow find, yeah, within you to be able to take that mm. step. Because sometimes this is very scary. Absolutely. You don't know where the road is going to take you. How do you work with people to find that courage? Well, it's all about confidence and, you know, and I believe that the strengths is the biggest thing to help you. Right. Okay. You know, understand the strengths that have got you to that car and then how do you drive those strengths to keep going forward? And, and you also mentioned the, the group that you have around you. They're supporting you and pushing, or not mm-hmm. necessarily pushing you, but supporting you to make that step. I, I guess mm-hmm. it's easier mm-hmm. as well because yeah. you have those people who are saying you can do this and you are ready. And the things that you described earlier, they would hopefully give a person a little more confidence as they start to yeah. make that mm-hmm. step or transition to the next step. Yeah. And what, yeah. What, what you've just said, KG, highlights for me that it takes a village to raise a leader, mm. perhaps. Yeah. Yes, I like that. <laughs> Tra- trademark, trademark. Trademark, trademark. <laughs> also remember that leadership really has no gender. Yeah. I coach leaders. Yes. Um, I don't coach women or men. 
I coach leaders and the ideas women need to consider when building these skills may differ from the men, but they're not that radically different. I think women should approach their development without any initial focus on gender. They should embrace what they do well, understand their strengths and zero zero in on what they need to do and how do they apply those to to any anyone. Love it. Wow. What else have you got, uh, KG? What are, what are you thinking? Good, man. I'm set. Uh, the the <laughs> funny thing is, I think when we started to talk, I started to realize so much of what you described and what Renee yes. is re- describing, which is this is just leadership. Full stop. Everything that we're talking about, there is no difference between the approach that you would take. Mm. Uh, you may have some different strengths, mm-hmm. but it is trying to build better leaders. And, and that's mm-hmm. a full stop comment yeah. versus a gender or so forth. Yeah. Yep, that's yeah. true. That's true. The other thing is I think it's really important to demonstrate courage. Mm. You know, live by your own unique style and approach and just be really courageous in the things that you do and trust yourself. Yeah. It's that the biggest thing you can do is trust yeah. your own self. And I think if you're dri- in that driver's seat and trusting the way you're driving and where you're going, don't let the imposter syndrome get in the way. Yeah, that's a big one, that <laughs> yes, one. Yes, I've still got that. Sorry. you still got that. Yeah, yeah I think we all have residue. It. I think we all have at least some <laughs> we residue. We all have imposter syndrome. <laughs> but I think you're right. If we circle back to that notion of what are my strengths, and if I really understand them and understand how they work how they bring value to what I do, how they bring value to my contribution. I have then confidence in talking about myself yeah. in that way. Yeah. And I can then back myself. And I, it feels like that's self-perpetuating. The more confidence, the more I back myself, the more it looks like it's courage. But it's not just impetuousness. It's, no. it's, it's a really no. well understood yeah. sense I have about me. Yeah, it's like you've done your homework, so you yeah. feel more confident that you know you're ready for the test right and instead of being in a position where you you're not sure so guess yeah yeah Yeah. so i think you know when you talked about the strengths it's a real key because it gives Mm -hmm. everyone a place to start from that is able to build confidence from so it's really good have you seen what the difference that might exist in organizations that embrace strengths as a concept it's a framework as a way of thinking versus those who might not Oh, look, there's so many organisations that embrace. I mean, we should all be strength-based leaders. We should all be building a strength-based culture within organisations and lead from your strengths and kind of remind yourself that you're good enough and don't let those negative thoughts impact your career and your life. You know, remind yourself daily that you're good enough. And I think that is such a great strength-based approach and organisations that do that really benefit greatly. I mean, there's so many statistics out there that you know you have a better quality of life if you come from your strengths, less sick days. Um, mm. You know all those stats. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I'm sure, sure you've yeah. got that over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Research, the research. Yeah, I've done my research. That's right. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's true. There, there is research out there that suggests there's greater engagement, people are more mm. productive. People tend to have greater levels of trust, especially if I know your strengths and you know my strengths. Yep. We know how to complement. So there's opportunities there to work together much more efficiently, effectively, less judgment as opposed to why don't you do that? It's like, okay, I see that that's not your thing. It's my thing. Let me do that. And there's a different conversation, I think, that happens in organizations that understand that well. Absolutely. And I think just knowing that we all have 
some strengths, yes. you know, because I think quite often, you know, when you're an aspiring leader, you, you really don't focus on that. You focus on the things that you haven't done well and mm. you, you focus on wondering why you haven't gotten that promotion. But just to turn the tables into a different conversation so that it's about the things that are on that positive side, mm-hmm. I think it does start to really change the thinking of a person. So yeah. I, I, I love the approach because I think it can really take someone who is an average performer and focused on those things that make them average and turn them into someone who is, you know, basically on the way up because now they understand that they need to focus on the things that they do really well and yeah. just keep shining on those. Yeah. And ultimately that helps them. Yeah. Well, you've just paraphrased one of my, and I think Renee is one of your favorite videos from Marcus Buckingham when redefines this notion of strengths and weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you just kind of paraphrase that, you know, what, what is it? People who focus on their strengths, they're the ones that are going to feel much more alive yeah. in what they do in terms of their work. And I'd imagine that yeah. once again, it's beyond the gender boundary. I'm yeah. assuming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fantastic. Are there any other thoughts or little tips that you might uh, sure. want to give aspiring young yeah. women leaders that you think, if, if you'd known this when you were on on the start of your journey, would have helped you greatly. What might two or three things be, Renee? I think speak up, speak often. Mm. Ask for what you want to need. Work hard to build that critical muscle of assertiveness. Oh. Even if it's unnatural, do it anyway. Set so many goals for yourself and practice. I, I love the quote, if you don't ask, the answer will always be not. And I think the other is look at potential, not at the past. I think it's really important that we start paying more attention to all the opportunities surrounding women instead of beating the old tide drum of sexism and oppression. Yeah. Because we have to look forward. We have to forget what's happening. We can remember what's happened in the past and hold on to that in some ways, but look at the potential of yourself and the potential of the organisation. I think there's such a war for talent out there at the moment is that if you are going into an organisation that, clearly develops and promotes and supports women, it's a great organisation to go for. But if it's not, then don't go there because there's so many great organisations mm. that are really championing and have the quota and are focused on this and you can interview and ask questions about that and that's going to give you a sense of what is going to be potential for you in that organisation. Perfect. Well, that's great. Oh, I noticed the time. I can't believe it's I how know. quickly it's gone. It is blown uh, by. Thank you so much, Renee. That's been amazing. It's been great to get a sense of what you do in your work and your passion, but how that works itself out in organisations and in leadership development and people's journeys. It's been really wonderful. Yeah, Thank so many you. nuggets of information. It's great. Love yeah, it. and we'll put a few. We'll put a, quite a few of these things on in the show notes too that we've mentioned and that Renee has mentioned, especially some of those YouTube and, and TED Talks. We'll put those links in our show notes too. Definitely, and enjoy that red wine. Oh, <laughs> we will. Thank you. We will enjoy. <laughs> we will enjoy. Thanks so much. Thank you for everything. Slange. <laughs> That's it for our show today. If you liked what you heard, if you liked our conversation, if you want to hear more, please rate us, review us, subscribe. Tell your friends, your family, your enemies, everyone you know. 
As always, we'd like to hear your feedback about any particular leadership topic you'd like to hear about or want us to explore. Please let us know by reaching out to us at askus at leadershipdecanted.com. That's A-S-K-U-S at leadershipdecanted.com. You can also leave your comments and suggestions at our website at leadershipdecanted.com. We really appreciate your time and comments. Thanks for listening and come back next time.